afternoon. Is this on? Can you hear me? Good. Of the true mind of faith, of the true body of faith. How many here actually signed up for a faith-based religion? <laughs> well, you're drowning in it, so. We um, say this phrase over and over again, in faith that we are Buddha, we practice the Buddha way. In faith that we are Buddha, we practice and we live Buddha's way. If I had more to say than this, uh, or should I say, I really have nothing else <laughs> to say than this. In faith that we are Buddha, we practice Buddha's way. In faith that we already, the mind that is our deepest uh, gift, really, is exactly the mind of a verified Buddha. Just exactly as it says in this chant, same as those of old. It is not any different. And it is true, you know, sometimes we do have these little awakenings or these big awakenings or a crack opens up and we understand that uh, what is looking through our eyes is the very, very same awareness and knowing quality that is looking through the eyes of a Buddha. And yet, our path does not end there. In fact, if it does end there, it's a really very sorry and sometimes dangerous situation. Because no matter what kind of opening or what kind of understanding a person has, if it is not embodied, if it is not walked on the path, if it is not practiced, it is actually not realized. And that's why Dogen says so often in his writings that for him, practice and realization are not different. We don't practice in order to uh, awaken, and we don't practice in order to make awakening deeper at some later time. We practice because it is the nature of human beings to live in accordance with our deepest truth. We have, each of us, a yearning to live in wholeness. We do. This path is a human path. It's not even a Buddhist path. It's a human path. And human beings have been walking this path for generations. When Native Americans go out and quest, you know, without food or drink for three, four days alone in the wilderness, this is what they're doing in various uh, African cultures, there are all kinds of stories of sending people out to be alone, to look and to feel into their deepest heart of hearts. And these are the people always, in every culture, that the community looks to 
for wisdom. So this is not a specialty of Buddhism. No. This is the deepest core of every religion. Matter of fact, when I was uh, the director of uh, Tassajara, our monastery in the mountains, we used to have a meeting of four groups that were all contained in the Fantana Wilderness area. <laughs> shaking, shaking his head. And the groups are the Esalen, some Esalen Indian. How is Tommy? Still? And the uh, uh, Esalen New Age uh, Institute. Thank you. And the Hermitage Catholic up on the hill in Big Sur. And the monks, the Buddhist monks at Tassajara. And we, when we first started doing this, I was really kind of nervous um, being Jewish. I, never, I didn't really know a lot of Catholic people. <laughs> and I had, I had heard stories about them. <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> so I was kind of nervous meeting them, because I thought, God, what are we going to have in common and all of this, you know, on the cross? And didn't understand any of it at all. Although, I'll tell you another story where, it, well, maybe not now. <laughs> Um, uh, oh, so but when we met, it was really, really interesting. Because it turned out, when we started talking and trying to share and trying to understand each other, the people who seemed to understand me and what I was about, and who I thought I was understanding the most, were these Catholic monastics. Because I think when you sit long enough and look, inside, deeply, what you find is the same thing, you know. So it was a revelation to me, a wonderful revelation. And I stayed in touch with, actually, I'm still in touch with Raniero. Is he still, the, uh, he, I think he retired, didn't he? He retired. He's not the other. He's not the other, anyway. Yeah. So, but still there. Wonderful guy. So what I'm saying is, is that this path is a, is a path, a human path. So what I want to talk about today, and I think I will touch on little by little, little spot by little spot, is, is that uh, what we emphasize and what I'd like you to understand we don't emphasize, we're not really emphasizing in our particular lineage and our particular path. We're not emphasizing um, moments of understanding or moments of awakening or in various insights, although along the path there will be many, small ones and big ones and uh, openings that have to do with, you know, no mind at all and concentration states and oneness mergings and emptiness understandings and various things can happen along the path. And 
And they're helpful in their way, in the sense that they do allow us to loosen our grip on this contracted uh, emotion, thought, grasping, resisting conglomeration of habit patterns that we identify with. It helps loosen the bonds of this contraction. But it's not the point. Katagiri used to say all the time, he used to say, um, and actually, like I told you the other day, it is our business to create the conditions for freedom and for awakening. We have to sit. We have to allow the mind to have tastes, longer tastes, deeper tastes of its own uh, true nature, you can say. We do need to do that, and the more often, the better. We need to develop continuity of mindfulness. We need to have the ability to be present all the time, not just when we're sitting on the cushion. We need to have a mind that's open, a beginner's mind, or as uh, Suzuki Roshi said, a readiness of mind. He even said, a readiness of mind is wisdom. We have to have a mind that is open and curious and really wants to know what the truth is. What am I really? What is suffering and the end of suffering? What is the Dharma? What is Buddha talking about? Is it true for me or not? Can you hear me? So these are things that we can and, in my opinion, that we must do. And then, Katagiri said, the rest is none of your business. It isn't your business to try to recreate some kind of, uh, uh, some kind of experience or some kind of mental state. It's not your business to try to create some kind of an awakening. It won't ever happen if it is. That's not our business, that's grace. That kind of thing happens sometimes if the conditions are, and sometimes even when the conditions are not. You know, people have been, awakenings, deep awakenings have been dropped on people who the last people you would think deserve such a thing. <laughs> No, that's not our way. Our way is to embody the deepest truth of whatever our understanding is in alignment with the truth of our humanness, in alignment with the truth of our true nature, in alignment with wholeness, oneness, non-separation, non-division. This is what I was suggesting the other day. Our job is to surrender over and over and over again our sense of righteousness, of separation, of knowing. Anything that creates division, 
That's what we can do. And that's how to live. That's our life. That's how we walk. That's what the precepts are. The precepts are simply in a, in a sh pointing to help us align with our deepest truth. Now, I understand, I do, that um, speaking this way can be really a downer for people. Because oftentimes we come to practice because we think it's a way for us to get better, to get out of suffering, to wake up and be happy all the time. Obviously, you're telling me, because you're not responding, that this actually is what you think. <laughs> right. I just wanted to mention, as an aside, okay, everything changes, right? So there's no way you're going to be happy all the time. There's no way we're not going to make a mistake. There's no way that we're not going to be flawed, everyday, mundane, regular old people. And if some teacher tells you there's some other way, I would very quickly run in a different direction. <laughs> and so, you know, when I speak this way, how many people are really going to sign up? You know, with nothing promised, with nothing getting better, necessarily but an encouragement to be fully in your own, like Greg said today. Did it, was it today? Greg said today, to take your own seat in your own authenticity, in your own power, in your own heart of hearts, and walk this life as a full, mature, open, scared, loving, unhappy, happy, risked, vulnerable, courageous, sad human being. And looking back on it from the um, <laughs> what can I say? Not exactly the height. That doesn't seem quite right. Length, maybe? Looking back at it from the length of a longer, thankfully, lived life so far, anyway, longer lived life, um, I would suggest to you that this is not nothing. This is not a kind of a, um, or let me put it another way. This is a really, um, what can I say, a deeply grateful, generous, and kind way to orient your life. Not for some, you know, peak experience or whatever it is, you know, that it promised. 
not, you know, dressed in some kind of identity as a Buddhist priest or teacher or whatever, or any kind of an identity. Just walking as a human being, as deeply and as intimately connected with life, your life, your universe. It's the only universe that exists for you. My universe is Tia universe. You know, hopefully getting larger and larger, including, including, including. But each one of us live in our own universe. So the idea is to be able to walk upright, the most authentic Dexter that you can produce. The most authentic EJ, the most authentic Kiku. That's our job. Not to pretend to be something different. And this is what Dogen is talking about when he says practice and realization are the same. This is what Dogen is talking about when he says walk the path. The path in our own awakening, our own realization, happens when you put your foot down. That's when the path shows up. On this foot, putting down. On this foot, putting down. On this moment of awakening. On that moment of awakening. There is no other time, like Greg said today. So. I happen to love this poem that he wrote called the Genjo Koan. And um, I think people really have some connection with this poem, even when we don't understand it. Because maybe the way it's a, it's a poem, and, and it's speaking to us. And I think it resonates with us. And usually, we talk about the first paragraph that evidently holds his entire teaching in it. Evidently, these first four sentences has the, have the whole teaching of the entire Shobo Genzo, his masterpiece. And they're wonderful. And I've studied them. But I like the end. <laughs> I really like the end of it. And I think I like the end of it because it has to do with birds and fish and air and water. And I like nature. I was standing, I live in a wonderful house that has a kitchen sink. And in front of the kitchen sink is a big window. And the window looks out on this backyard. And whenever I come and get to live in this house, I watch the weather, not the weather, the seasons, you know, the, I watch the changing, the changing of the light over the months that I'm here, the changing of the leaves, the changing. So the latest thing I've looked at lately, these are gifts, you know, if we, it's a gift. When I was in Africa, just before I left Africa to go to India, my back went out, and I had to be in bed for two weeks. 
And I was lying in bed, and I, I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't move. <laughs> I missed my plane and everything. It was a disaster. But also, I was just lying in bed, and I could, and I, there was a window that I got to look out of. And I did, every day, I would wake up, and then I would just watch the light change all day long. And then it was really light and light, and then less and less, and the colors changed, and then gone. Every day. And it was so full. It was so full, nothing was missing. I just, every single day, I just was lying in bed, and I would just watch the light go by. It was a blessing. <laughs> so I stand in front of the sink. Today, I was standing in front of the sink, and I was watching out the window. And I was noticing today that it was really winter. The leaves were gone. The trees were stems, you know, just the stems were left. And the squirrels that had been scurrying around for the last month or so were not scurrying around anymore. It was too cold for them, I guess, to be out. And the birds were gone, and it was, it was very quiet. This is what I like about winter. It's very quiet. It reminds us, in a way, of death. It's the dying season. It's a season of death, which, you know, it breathes, right? The earth is a living, breathing us, right? We are the earth. We breathe. The earth breathes. If you've ever seen, I am, okay, time lapse of the uh, ocean tides, you know, they come and they, it breathes, the moon with the breathe. The earth with the water, the ocean breathes with the moon. In and out. It's just fabulous. When I was young, we used to go. When I was young, there was so much wildlife around. It's just amazing. We used to go to uh, the beach at night, 12 o'clock, and it was dark, dark, dark. And when the grunion were running, did anybody know about the grunion anymore? The grunion? You know. In Southern California. Exactly right. We would go down to the beach, and on certain, for I think a week, Two weeks in the summer, must have been. Dark, 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 dark. And by the moonlight, I think, right? Because, because I remember the silver flashing of the fish. These fish, thousands and thousands of fish, would come up with the tide, and the tide would drop them. And all of these women fish would lay all of these eggs and flash around with the moonlight on them and stuff like that. And then when the tide, when the faint wave come in again, they would whoosh out with it. It was incredible. Right? It's wonderful. So our job is to align ourselves with this truth, this birth and death, form and emptiness, awakening and delusion, to align ourselves with life the way it has come to be for each of us. So in the end here, um, Dogen has these last few paragraphs that I really like. And I think you will remember. You might, it might ring for you a bell. 
But I love when I write out a whole talk, and then I never. <laughs> it's almost over. I have, we have to leave. <laughs> when do we stop? What time am I supposed to stop? But I've told you the main point. <laughs> oh, good. So it says here, now, if a, f if a bird or a fish, no, wait. Here. A fish swims in the ocean, and no matter how far it swims, there is no end to the water. A bird flies in the sky, and no matter how far it flies, there is no end to the air. So Dogen here is speaking about us. He's talking to us about how, basically, the end of this whole Genjo Koen is about how to live life. And you know, it's really interesting. Another reason why I really like the end of the Genjo Koen is because it's called the Genjo Koen, which has lots of translations, like um, the issue at hand, actualizing the fundamental point, embodying realization. It's, kind of, it's, a, it's a verb, really having to do with how to live life, he's telling us. And then he goes through the whole thing and doesn't ever talk about it <laughs> until the end, till these paragraphs, which I'll get to tomorrow. Because <laughs> 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 it's not tomorrow, on Saturday. Sunday. <laughs> So where are we? So a, a fish swims in the ocean. So in his way of talking about it, I think a fish and a bird are us, human beings, you can say, and that ocean and air is the element. Sometimes it's interpreted as our practice, life. But also we could see it as our element, the element of a human being. So a fish, for, for, for a fish, water is that being's element. And for the bird, air is that being's element. And for human being, in a way, you can say form and emptiness, both. Emptiness is our element. And when we lose touch with that element, we lose our way. When we lose touch with a sense of emptiness or a sense of wholeness, or you can say a sense of dependent co-rising or a sense of impermanence of life, when we begin grasping and thinking that we can actually hold on to something and stop, life in the way it, it, we lose our way. It says, a bird flies in the sky, and no matter how far it flies, there is no end to the air. However, when a fish and a bird have never left their element, well, however, the fish and the bird have never left their element. When their activity is large, their field is large. When their need is small, their field is small. I really like this part because um, the other day, Greg and I and um, David and Laura and I think that's all, we were walking. And as we were walking, Greg pointed out to me the pigeons flying around. And I'd never understood this before. But he said, what he said was, was that the pigeons were, they f every so often you see pigeons on a, like a building hopefully not your building, 
you see pigeons in a building, and all of a sudden they all fly up together and they fly around. And Greg told me that what they were doing is is warming themselves up in the winter, right? Is that right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> So I thought that was terrific, and then I thought of, then I thought of this sentence because it says here, when their need is small, their field is small. When their need is large, their field is large. And I was thinking to myself, have you ever seen a a a, a murmuration of birds? Do you know what a murmuration is? A murmuration is when thousands of birds get together, and it's like this gigantic shadow in the sky. They fly around and they make these. Sh- Amazing shapes, and I don't know how they figure out where to go. And they all do it in the same way. They don't bump into each other or anything like that. It's just, <laughs> it's just, just this flying shadow is what it looks like. Oh, it's gorgeous. So what occurred to me is that the pigeon is here, right here. It says, when their need is small, their field is small. So to me, it was like a mini murmuration. It was just a little flying around because they wanted to get warm. And that when their need is large, their field is large. So for thousands of birds, when they do this big murmuration, they go all over the sky. Their use is really big in the sky. And the same thing is true for a tern. The little tern, you know about it? These terns, tern birds, called a tern. They're beautiful little birds. They're white birds with a little black face and sharp wings, small. They fly 44,000 miles a year. Their need is large. They take the entire sky from the Arctic to the Antarctic and back every year. Isn't that amazing? So don't you think? Obviously, when their need is large, their field is large. They're, They're using the entire field. And when your need is small, your field is small. You don't need so much, so you just use a small amount. Thus, each of them totally covers its full range, and each of them totally experiences its realm. If the bird leaves the air, it will die at once. If the fish leaves the water, it will die at once. And this is the same for human beings, what I just said. Know that the water is life and air is life. The bird is life and the fish is life. Life must be the bird and life must be the fish. It is possible to illustrate this with more analogies. Practice, enlightenment, and people are also like this. I think I'll stop here. Uh, The main thing I wanted to say is I just wanted to encourage you now, see if you can drop whatever ideas you have about what it is that we're supposed to be doing here. Like um, the instructions, the pith instructions today that Greg was talking about. The, mo- the, the main point is for us to live a life that is awake to what we are doing in the moment. This is really Dogen's instruction in full confidence that you have everything that it is that you need. Waking up is a good thing, but it's not everything. It's only a beginning. Waking up is a, just a, what can I say? 
an encouragement along the path, just an encouragement. But what we really need to do, what our work is, is to live a life that is aligned with the deepest truth of your nature. That is really our work. Before or after you wake up, it's exactly the same thing. As a matter of fact, Suzuki Roshi said over and over and over again, we are to establish our practice in the midst of delusion. Delusion doesn't go away before you're awake. We wake up in the midst of delusion. In fact, it's the same thing almost about being a priest. You're not really ordained as a priest until you, your life is, your life, you're already living a life as a priest. And then you could ordain as a priest. The same thing as our path. Our path is to wake up, this is Suzuki Roshi, not even me, is to wake up before we wake up, is to realize before we realize, is to let go before we are perfect. The practice is the same. Okay? I'm, I'm saying this to encourage you. I hope this is encouraging. <laughs> Trying to encourage you. Trying to make it so that you don't, you know, fall off into an eddy on the side. And to keep your eye on the prize, as it was once said. The prize is your own authentic life. Whether you wake up or not, it makes no difference. None. prize is to stand up in your own truth, aligned with your deepest nature. That's our effort. So every time you find when you're sitting on your cushion and you're having an argument with yourself inside, I don't care what you're arguing about. Stop that mind. That's a mind out of alignment. That's a mind at war. And before we can make, have any, any chance of making peace in the world, we have to make peace inside. Every time you start fighting with yourself, stop it. True nature suffuses your body and mind. It really is true. You think that something is missing. Because <laughs> it's an endless, endless path. It's more than a lifetime path. That's why it's only important that you're 100% wholehearted on this moment. Because if you look past it, it's, you're doomed. Forget it. It's not happening over there. It's never going to happen over there. So it's good that it's a lifetime practice. Because in every part of your life has meaning. Because it's all grist for the mill. Waking up is not about being somebody. <laughs> it's about being nobody. Nobody. Just this. Imperfect. Trying your best. 
Tia. Life doing itself out in this costume. Tia costume. Joe's in costume. Rachel costume. And the, you know, the interesting thing about it, which is kind of weird when it occurs to you, <laughs> when, you empty, when, when a lot of it begins to be emptied out, at one point you have this realization, oh my god, I still have to be this? <laughs> You're kidding. I thought I'd turn into like something else, I was sure. But it isn't. That's the joke. Yeah. <laughs> That's the joke. You end up being yourself. It's hilarious. But <laughs> weren't such a disappointment. <laughs> you know, but that's the thing. You know, the thing is, it's actually okay, just the way it is. That's the thing. If we would just stop fighting with yourself. You know? It's actually okay. And then as you let go, it changes, because everything changes. Right? So whatever it is that you hold on to that stops life from happening is the suffering. As you let go of that and loosen that up, this mysterious thing of, a, of a, I don't even know what to call it, this awakeness or this intelligence, whatever it is, suffuses the part that is confused, it goes to the part, it, it looks for the part that is stuck so it can wake up. So you, 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 end, you know, so it comes up in front of your face all the time, the part that's not awake, because that's where the energy goes to. Subtler and subtler and subtler. In the beginning, it's gross, you know, because you're really suffering. It's easier, although it's hard. It's not easy. It really hurts. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then when, it, when you're not causing yourself suffering anymore, it's really a problem, because then you think you know something. Not stinky poo, stinky. Not good. Then that gets taken away. Taken away, taken away, taken away, taken away. It's not easy. But it's good. Anyway, back to your cushions. <laughs> You're making really good effort. I keep asking all the time, how's it going in the Zendo? And I'm told that it's very quiet. You're very settled. It's very good. You're talking to people. You're getting clear what you need to work on. It's good. Keep it silent in the room, the common room. Don't look at each other. Don't talk to each other. It's none of your business. Let everybody have their own misery <laughs> or delight. doesn't matter. Don't make contact. Pay attention 100% to whatever it is that you're doing. That is our way. 100% wholehearted activity. Zenki is Greg's name. Uji. I have to name somebody Uji, because it's Uji Zenki going together.
we have today's Friday, so we have today, and we have tomorrow. So keep, keep doing the work. And enjoy. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.